Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, everybody. Hope you had a happy new year. Welcome to the first 2021 edition of the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. I'm your host, Ben Ross. Big news as we're taping on Monday night, as I'm sure you've all heard by now. Liam Hendricks, the A's all-star closer, Heading to the Midwest, reportedly signing a deal with the Chicago White Sox. And obviously, it's a tough loss for the A's, but I don't think it's unexpected. We kind of knew that Liam was going to be going elsewhere, just a matter of where. And uh, really excited for him to be joining the White Sox, first of all. They're, they're looking like a great team, but he got a big deal, too. Uh, it's a three-year contract, reportedly. With a, a fourth-year option, he's guaranteed $54 million. So congratulations to Liam Hendricks. What a story from getting DFA'd just a couple of years ago in 2018 to becoming the best closer in baseball and now securing a big-time, well-deserved contract to become the closer of the Chicago White Sox. We got a great guest for you on this episode, Major League Baseball agent Oscar Suarez. Over 30 clients during his time as an MLB agent, including Joaquim Soria, another key A's free agent relief pitcher. And perhaps even more important now that Liam Hendricks is gone, I talked to Oscar before the news came out about Liam, but still touching on the latest with Joaquim Soria and his negotiations with the A's, uh, as well as other teams. It's still up in the air where he's going to end up, but we got the very latest from his agent, Oscar Suarez. So stick around that conversation coming up in just a few minutes. But man, back to these White Sox. I'll tell you, they're going to be a force in the American League. I already liked the White Sox, and now they add Lance Lynn as a starting pitcher and Liam Hendricks at the back end of their bullpen. They're going to be scary good because they've already got a really good young lineup uh, you know, the MVP, Jose Abreu, and lots of other talented guys there, too, as we saw when the A's played them in the, in the playoffs this past year. But adding Lance Lynn, now they, they've got Lucas Giolito coming back in the rotation, Dallas Keuchel. I mean, that's a pretty great big three as far as starting pitching goes. And now you add Liam Hendricks to a bullpen that was already pretty good, uh, but I think Liam Hendricks certainly makes it that much better. I mean, you add the best closer in baseball, and you know, not just a closer, but a guy who can pitch multiple innings. So we saw it with the A's all the time. He's pitched up to three innings. Uh, you know, the guy is just so versatile and so talented. You know, obviously just a great guy, too. We wish him all the best with the White Sox. The other A's free agency news since we last spoke was Robbie Grossman signing a two-year $10 million deal with the Detroit Tigers. Uh, so happy for him as well. Another really great guy. And uh, again, I don't think that's necessarily a surprise from the A's standpoint. We knew that the A's had a lot of outfield depth, and 
I mean, quite frankly, with, with the 10 free agents that the A's had this offseason, I think we kind of knew a lot of them would be leaving uh, for financial reasons. But particularly in the outfield, you know, the A's have guys like Mark Canna coming back, Ramon Laureano, Steven Piscotti, um, and then some of the young guys getting close to major league ready. You know, they're really high on Luis Barrera and obviously Chad Pinder, a utility guy who can play infield or outfield. So happy for Robbie Grossman to, to get a, a well-earned two-year, $10 million deal in Detroit. He'll have a chance to be an everyday outfielder. Uh, switch hitter, played great for the A's this past season. OPS of 826 and, uh, you know, doesn't strike out much, puts the ball in play, can hit for power, gets on base via walk, via hit. I think he'll do really well in Detroit. So bittersweet to see him go and Liam Hendricks go. The other A's free agent that has left already is Mike Miner, signing with the Kansas City Royals a while back. That leaves seven more free agents, and Joaquin Soria, one of them. And again, we spoke with his agent, Oscar Suarez, before the Liam Hendricks news, but still lots of great insight about the latest with Joaquin Soria. So that interview with Oscar Suarez coming up in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about betonline.ag. The Super Bowl is right around the corner. And if you are looking to place a bet on any of the sports going on, betonline.ag is the best and only place to lock it in. Down to eight teams remaining in the NFL season. And according to these odds, it looks like really a six-team race. You got the Chiefs, Packers, Bills, Saints, Buccaneers, and Ravens all at plus 700 or better. The Chiefs are the favorites at plus 200. Then Packers are next at plus 400. The two long shots, the Rams and Browns. Rams are plus 2,000, Browns plus 2,500. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Well, our guest this week is a Major League Baseball agent. He's had over 30 clients in his career, including A's relief pitcher, Joaquin Soria. He's also the Sports Management Worldwide's Director of Baseball. We're so excited to welcome Oscar Suarez to the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. Oscar, thanks for joining us, man. How are you? Uh, we're doing, doing well. I hope you guys are doing well. And always good to talk about baseball. We're bored out of our minds right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, I mean, obviously this has been kind of an unusual off season uh, with the pandemic and everything and, and kind of a slow market. Um, what, what's this off season been like for you so far? Well, it's been slow. And, uh, the, you know, the unfortunate part is when you can't have winter meetings because you, we can have all the technology in the world, but really when it comes down to it, when you have the person-to-person -person interaction, that's when you can close deals. It's a lot easier. When uh, Dan Feinstein and I did Joaquin's uh, deal a couple of years ago during the Rule 5 meetings, and in, in I can't even remember where we were at in Vegas, I believe we were in. A, I, it, it was a lot of fun because we were doing face-to-face. -face. Now everything is via text or on the computer or on TV or whatever. It's, it's not as fun, and, and that's what we're missing because we had that buildup towards the winter meetings. Now you didn't have any of that. I mean, I even miss Scott Boris get up on the mountain and, and preaching his sermon. <laughs> oh, I've never seen anything like that, man. He gets up on the mountain and I've never seen that many people gathered around one small space. That was something wild. Yeah. You mentioned uh, Joaquin Soria and getting the deal done last time. He's one of 10 free agents on the A's. Um, what can you tell us about 
how negotiations are going. Are, are the A's uh, still interested in bringing him back, and, and does he have interest elsewhere? Yeah, he, the, the A's talked to me early on, and they said they would have interest, and they're going to wait to see what they're going to do. Because as you can see, relief pitchers are being held for the last, you know, right-handed relief pitchers being held for the last unless guys mm-hmm. like Blake Trenin and Trevor May in New York, if they signed right away, they got good deals. But I believe, yeah, I believe the A's have interest. It all depends on their budgets. You know, the A's are not a big spending team, but they know how to get sure. into the playoffs. And there mm-hmm. has been a lot of interest, especially from teams within the same division, because obviously this past year, all of them saw him pitch. And I, I think Joaquin, you know, he, he likes, he likes the, the Bay Area. He really enjoyed his time with the Oakland A's. So, yeah, for him, he hopes the doors are open because he's really enjoyed living and pitching there. Yeah, it seems like a good match. I mean, as you said, I think a lot of players enjoy pitching in Oakland. And, you know, Joaquin really had a great year last year. You know, he, he's getting up there in age, but he's still obviously going strong. How do you assess Joaquin Soria right now and, and what he has to bring just based on his experience, based on his stuff? And, uh, you know, it, it seems like he can still be a really valuable relief pitcher. Oh, yeah, I agree with that. Obviously, I'm going to be biased because I represent him. <laughs> sure. But, uh, you know, if you look back a couple of years ago, the first year of the A's, even though his ERA was 430 or whatever it was, when you look back and you would have taken out two, uh, two outings, his ERA would have been under three. He had two bad outings that just fell apart for him. That's his right. FIP, the fielding independent uh, calculation that they make, you know, was, was a lot lower. Joaquin's, you know, his stuff has gotten better. His velocity has been up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and now that he's learned how to pitch, if you guys watch him, he's, he's learned how to pitch up in the zone and he comes from three quarters at times. Sometimes I feel like he's going to drop all the way down because he always says he can pitch from all, all kind of angles. Yeah. And with his experience, I mean, he's been, I mean, I think Liam Hendricks would tell you, he learned a lot from Joaquin. He learned how to slow down the game. The, the main thing with Joaquin, he knows how to slow down the game. And when he gets, like he says, pitchers, we're all going to get hit. And, and, you, and you, got, you got to know how to take the good with the bad. And that's really good for, you know, if you look at a guy like Yusmero Petit, I know he's learned a lot from Joaquin. All, all these guys have been around. He's been here for 14 years. and. Really, I don't want to jinx him, but I don't think he's had a, had a, had a bad year yet. And, mm-hmm. and remember, this is a guy that's had two Tommy John surgeries. So that's yeah. a tribute to how, what a career he's had with two Tommy John surgeries. Not many of those out there. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so we, we've kind of talked about how it's been a, a bit of a slow market this offseason. What, what's that like for you as an agent? Is it, is it hard to be patient? Do you want to just get deals done or do you understand? Or, I mean, you've done this for a while. Or are you just kind of used to the you know, this is how things go sometimes. Well, I'll put it this way. I missed the, I missed the years when Jack McKeon would put a table out there and say he's in, he was ready for business in the middle of the winter <laughs> meetings and everybody yeah. just hover around and try to make a deal. I mean, you get impatient because you don't have that anymore. Technology has gotten so good that you really don't need any of that. You know, general managers hiding their suites, big time agent hiding their other suites. And, but you know, you've got to be patient. Uh, yeah, I would have, obviously we would like to know which team he's going to already to get ready to know your teammates. Last time when we signed with Oakland, it was during the rule five meetings. It was like December 7th or December 9th. Gave Joaquin two full months to get ready as to who his teammates were, what it was all going to be about. Now I think there's going to be a flurry of signings. If we start February 14th, watch everybody sign between the 1st and the 10th of February, which is sad because that's where I think the union and, and Major League Baseball, i.e. Rob Manfred, they've got, they've got to come to some kind of understanding because all they're doing, they're hurting the player. And really, it's the only industry mm-hmm. where we hurt the product. And, and we go to the stadium to see the player. We don't go to see Tony Clark or Rob Manfred play. We go to see the players. Sure. 
Well, uh, it's interesting because, you know, most teams are, are really not doing much right now, but there are a couple of teams that have been active. You look at the Mets, you look at the Padres. Uh, do you feel like there's an opportunity for, you know, for teams that are willing to spend, it feels like there's an opportunity right now to go out and really improve your team when other, when other teams are kind of sitting around and waiting. Yeah, I think what they've done in San Diego and New York, they're ambushing everybody else. They're saying, hey, you guys want to sit around? We're going we're gonna to go ahead and make our moves. And they made some phenomenal moves. This last move the Mets made, they might have gotten an icon for their franchise. They might have gotten the second coming of Tom Seaver, for all I know, because the <laughs> kid smiles all the time. He's always having fun. And, you know, it's sad because I watch the Cleveland Indians, and I can't believe a guy like that. I, I mean, I'm not the owner. It's not my money. But to let a guy like that go, what the world are you in business for when, yeah. when you can identify an icon like that? You know, nothing against the Marcus Simmon or, or Leon Hendricks, but Francisco Lindor is, is Mr. Baseball if you look at it. And, and to me, I look at teams that are being smart about it and, you know, bring out your budget. There are a lot of good players out there that you can sign, you can get at a reasonable rate, and you can probably build up your team quickly. Kansas City is doing that right now. They've made some good moves. You know, Carlos Santana had an off year, but he's a good player. Mike Miner wasn't very good in Oakland, but he was very successful in Kansas City. So I, th I think Dayton's making some good moves over there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it, it's it's obviously a different offseason than usual because we're coming off this pandemic. I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but, you know, teams obviously lost money last year just because they weren't able to have fans. And it's still kind of an unknown what it's going to look like this year uh, as far as fans, if, if we even start on time. Uh, how big of a role do you think that the pandemic has played in kind of making this a different offseason? Oh, it's played a huge role. And, uh, you know, w when when President Trump declared this a natural national disaster or whatever, mm -hmm. right away, all those guaranteed contracts all sort of flew away. And that's why they applied that 37 percentage to. So guys making 10 million were making three point seven million. And right. uh, it's, it's impacted. It's impacted everybody. It's impacted everything. You know, the, the thing with teams saying that they're losing money, I, I believe they're making less money. I think they're they're still making money. The only the only team that you can look at their real financial records, and I'm an accountant by trade, are the uh, Atlanta Braves, as they're owned by a publicly held company, Liberty. I think it's Liberty Mutual, the, the mm -hmm. insurance company. Mm -hmm. But how do we really know how much how, how much less money the Oakland A's are making? Because knowing as budget conscious as they are, I guarantee they're not they're not losing a lot a lot of money. They know how to run their operation. They keep it close to their vest, just like Tampa Bay teams that sure. do their scouting, do the development correctly, and they say, "Well, we'll play with lesser players, but we're still going to win because we know how to identify talent." Yeah, well, and I think fans are starting to come around to the fact that like no one's going to feel bad for these billionaire owners. Like, okay, so we understand that. You, maybe you lost a little money. Look, everybody lost money this year, not outside of sports. I mean, everybody had a tough year. Uh, right. I think it's a little ridiculous when these billionaire owners try to use that as an excuse. So yeah. I think fans are starting to catch on to that a little bit. Yeah, if you're losing that kind of money, why don't you just sell the team? I mean, uh, you know, get, give me That's, a discount. I'll, I'll buy the Oakland A's for, say, for uh, $1 million. Are you interested? Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, talking about the A's, obviously, it's no secret they're they're routinely one of the lowest payrolls in baseball, yet they still have found success uh, the last few years, you know, making the playoffs the last three years. How do you think the A's have been able to go about doing that despite having that low payroll? What do you think they've done well um, to still be able to, to win games and make the playoffs? Well, I think it starts from the bottom. I mean, I think the A's uh, internationally, they've signed some really good players. You know, mm -hmm. they know how to draft. 
even though we all think about money ball or whatever you want to call it, but they have people inside that understand baseball. Analytics plays a big role now. And, you know, when I look at analytics, I, I do believe in analytics over a long, over a long season. I don't believe in analytics in a short playoff. And I think that's what happens to the A's over a long mm -hmm. season, Billy and the guys get those teams into the playoffs because they're so smart about it and they know how to scout. They got great development people. When you look at a, a guy like, uh, Oh, what was the guy that ran the minor leagues for a year? Keith Lippman. You know, he, Keith Lippman, yep. yeah. He ran it for years. You got guys like Grady Fusion. I mean, you, you, Dan Feinstein, you know, Billy Owens is a heck of an evaluator. Yeah. And Billy, Billy Bean has surrounded himself with a lot of top notch people that, you know, and you wonder sometimes what could Billy have done if he would have gone to Boston instead of Theo Epstein? Because, uh, you know, to me, Billy, Billy played the game, so he understands what it is to get into a batter's box. He also understands analytics but i guess because of his daughter i don't know the whole story he didn't want to take that job at the time but uh -huh. you know if, if you could give billy bean a little bit of money and with the people he surrounds himself with he could probably take oakland the whole way it's just really hard and you saw you saw tampa tampa almost pulled it off but yeah it's hard because if you make one one little mistake and i think tampa's mistake was pulling snow in that game he was pitching the, the a lifetime career game and that's why I say you got to throw the analytics stuff away. You got to go with the flow. And, and, and maybe Tampa would have been able to pull it off. But once they did that, their depth was not as good as the Dodgers. And that's where the problem came. Yeah. Oh, I completely agree with you. I think you're right on it. As you said, analytics are a great tool, especially over the course of a long season. But when you're in a one game scenario like that, and you've got a guy who's, as you said, pitching the game of his life, sometimes you got to, you just got to go with how things are flowing on that one day because, you know, statistics work over a long period of time, but just like you said, maybe not in a one game or a, you know, a short series, um, you know, sticking, sticking with the A's. And, and I think you talked about the, the development a little bit, but I've always been fascinated by, you know, how, how they're able to bring in pitchers uh, who maybe have struggled elsewhere and kind of, tweaked some things and and they found success in Oakland. I mean, even in just in the last few years, you look at guys like Trevor Cahill and Brett Anderson, Edwin Jackson had a really nice run there. Um, you know, to a lesser extent, Mike Fires. I mean, Mike Fires has been good elsewhere too, but he really was able to find success in Oakland. Are the A's sort of known around baseball as being good evaluators and not just finding good players, but understanding how to develop them and little tweaks they can make to improve? Oh, I, I think so. And I think, uh, you know, starting with your pitching coach at the big league level and a lot of the minor league coaches you have on the pitching side, they, mm -hmm. they, they know how to work with the pitchers. And here's a big thing for the A's and it's something that Joaquin and I spoke about a lot. When you sign with the A's, if you know how to keep the ball in the air inside the ballpark, the foul territory is so big, you can make a lot of plays in foul territory at the Coliseum. Now, imagine you take the same approach, you take it to Coors Field in Denver, where I lived for many years. That's not going to work because everything flies right. out of there. So you don't want you don't want to put the ball up in the air. But really, you got to give credit to Scott Merrill, their pitching coach at the big league level. Your manager, who was a catcher, I mean, you know he understands pitching. So you know when you when you have a guy, that, I mean, why are catchers so successful at managing a ball club? Because they can manage pitching. And and then all mm -hmm. your all the minor league coaches that are there that understand what it's all about. I really do think guys like Trevor Cahill, guys like Mike Fires, they they're going to turn their careers around. If, mm -hmm. if they follow what the Oakland A's are offering. And then the ballpark is a big advantage to pitching as well. Yeah, absolutely. The Coliseum, a very good pitcher's park. All right. Well, uh, before I let you go, I, want, I wanted to ask you a little bit just about your career, because right? I think it's so fascinating, this whole industry, being a baseball agent. How did you get into it? How did you uh, become a Major League Baseball agent? 
Well, it's uh, it's sort of a funny story because I'm an accountant by trade. I played baseball. I grew up in Puerto Rico and and uh, represented Puerto Rico in some international amateur tournaments and uh-huh. grew up with a lot of guys who were big leaguers, Dickie Thon, Juan Bonilla, Carlos Lescano. I mean, I can go on and on. And these guys are yeah. so much better than me. It was ridiculous, but it was fun <laughs> to be with them, you know? Yeah, and I, I, I was working as an accountant in Denver and I met an outfielder. There are two, two guys that took me to the, to, to the baseball world. One was Leo Garcia, a little outfielder that was a uh, very Larkin's teammate throughout the minor leagues with the Cincinnati Reds. And he was out of a job and I placed him in Detroit with a friend of mine, Mr. Joe McDonald, the elderly gentleman. And a month later, or I don't know when it was, but he traded him back to Cincinnati and he made the big leagues and I got my license. Well, Leo's career wasn't very long and because he got hurt. He went off to play in Taiwan. And I said, oh, my God, what am I going to do now if I'm going to stay an agent? How can I keep my license? And into my life walked, uh, I think you'll remember him, Armando Reynoso, the Mexican yeah, pitcher. He was, he, he was a great pitcher. He could flat out pitch. And he came here with a thousand innings already under his belt and he, he was a veteran he had had a lot of uh injuries but you know what when he signed down with me i'll never forget he, he shook my hand and he said hey oscar as long as i'm a ball player i'm your agent as long as you're an agent i'm your ball player and and, and you know we never signed a contract till later on in life when the union said hey guys you can't just keep working the way you did we were yeah. next door neighbors i go into his house and take food he'd come into mine do the same we're, nice. we're still as close as brothers but because of him coming up the Atlanta way, you know, as he was coming up, I knew I could, I could start the career. And then he turned me on to a lot of other players that I would go out and I try to recruit. And he would tell me, look at this and look at the other. He, to this day, I'm very, very indebted to him for what, what became of my career. That's awesome. That's a really cool story. Yeah, he was a great pitcher. Uh, and as I mentioned at the, at the beginning of this interview, you're the uh, director of baseball at Sports Management Worldwide. Tell me a little bit about that. It, what, uh, what does Sports Management Worldwide do? It's an online school and, you know, we have different classes. Dan Duquette teaches a class in player development. Dan Evans, the ex-GM for the, for the Dodgers, and he worked with yeah. the White Sox in Seattle. He also teaches other classes. There are scout, scouts like Hank Jones, retired guy that it teaches a scouting class. I teach a class on how to become an agent. And it, it's really interesting. You get people from all walks of life. And it, it's uh, what you're trying to do is open up as people going to college or people have other jobs and they want to open up a, a separate type of business. You walk them through what it is to be an agent. And believe me, if I would have been teaching this class back in the eighties or the nineties compared to now, it's a, it's a big difference because back then there were about maybe 20, 25 of us, everybody yeah. knew everybody else. Today, there I, I don't know, I think there are over 450 certified agents. There are times I don't even know who's representing who. I feel for, I feel for farm directors, especially because they don't know <laughs> who they're talking to. But, yeah. but the, cl- the class is fun because you get young kids in college and you get, I, I mean, I had a sports reporter that covered, covers the Tokyo, your Murray Giants, the Tokyo Giants, and he was on my yeah. class because he wanted to learn more about being an agent. So, you know, awesome. you, you get all kind of different walks, walks of life people. That's really fascinating. Yeah, I, I would imagine that'd be really interesting. Well, Oscar, thank you so much for the insight. Thanks for coming on the podcast. It was a lot of fun and uh, enjoy the rest of the offseason. Hopefully we'll start to see some moves. And and I know all A's fans are hoping to see Joaquin Soria back in Oakland next year. Yeah, I hope they can keep that 48 warm for him. He, he wouldn't mind coming back. I appreciate it. Really great stuff there from Oscar. And we thank him again for coming on the Believe in A's podcast. If you'd like to follow Oscar on Twitter, you can do so at O Suarez 24. That's O S U A R E Z 24. You can follow me on Twitter as well. I'm at Ben Ross tweets and a reminder to continue to download and subscribe the believe in Oakland A's podcast available anywhere you get your pods. 
We will be back at you with a new episode in two weeks, January the 26th. We're slowly making our way through this offseason, getting closer and closer to spring training. That's all for this time. We want to thank you again for tuning in. Really appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks here on the Believe in Oakland A's podcast. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.